Happy New Year, Peter Lynham. And a Happy New Year to you both. Yes, very good. Have you had a nice break? I have had a pleasant break, done some great historical research during the break. (laughs) That sounds very relaxing. Lovely. Uh, Well, it is actually. There we are, no interruptions. Very pleasant. (laughs) Nice. Now, what are we talking about this afternoon, Peter? We are talking about Russian Christmas and in particular Putin's Russian Christmas. Uh, That's one that... Do you think many people have seen the story? I don't think so. I don't. I don't remember it. You know, on One News or News Hub. I don't think anyone covered it. Yeah, not in New Zealand. But it's it's kind of evocative story if you look up the picture of Putin by himself in uh, the Kremlin attending a Russian Orthodox Christmas service, mm. uh, and. Uh, with three priests doing their thing, going in and out of the holy place. He's only on the outside, you understand, mm. of the, um, the the sacred area the, at the altar, which he wouldn't be allowed into. Right. And there he sits, crossing himself occasionally, but the look on his face, how would you describe it? Just blank. I feel like he looks around the room and he's probably thinking to, them, to himself, like, why the heck am I here? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um... Or you could read it, I mean, there's several ways you could read it, and one could read it, you know, God, you have let me down a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Because, I mean, the whole story of of Putin and orthodoxy is interesting because, you know, he grew up at a time when it was absolutely not proper to be declaring yourself to be orthodox, Mm. and then his, his version of the Russian autocracy is the autocracy without the communism, um, and yet with most of the features of a, of a powerful autocratic state still there, except that he's restored the the Russian well not just Christmas he's restored the all the traditional Christmas holiday the, the traditional religious holidays mm. which had been abandoned under communism of course. Yes. Uh, what? Why do you think he's done this? Just to give him some clout to be able to justify future mo- future moves or win over a certain part of the population? Oh, I think there was very little doubt that by the time that the communism collapsed, uh, they were only there was only a very small proportion who liked its atheist, propagandist features. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, there was a lot of signs that that was part of the crumbling. It wasn't that everybody wished to go back to orthodoxy. I mean, the figures that we've seen since then, um, and we've seen quite a lot of evidence, is that it's, it's mostly older folk who are attending Russian Orthodox services, mm-hmm. but they, they did go back in significant numbers. So maybe 15, 20% of the population has proved to be uh, stoutly Orthodox. Others will hang around the fringes um, and or have nothing to do with it. You know, a lot of the Christmas celebrations, uh, and I'll need to try and explain to you why they're doing it so late in the year, you might say, or yeah. early in the year. Um, but uh, in fact, when Christmas was abolished by the by Lenin, I think it was in two thousand, no, 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 in nineteen twenty-two, uh, most of the celebrations were transferred over to New Year's Day. And New Year's Day is the same day as ours. But the Russian Orthodox Church, indeed all the Orthodox churches, including Ukraine, of course, um, 
stick to the old Julian calendar, which was reformed in the 16th century. Uh, and it took away, you know, because there's always that gradual creep of a quarter of a, a quarter of a day changed every year and a bit more in the course of a century. Mm-hmm. And so by the time um, that, for example, England changed over only in 1754, there were 13 missing days. Now there's, I think, 17 days that the old Julian calendar has fallen behind the Gregorian calendar, which is what we follow today mm-hmm. uh, in the West. And, um, of course, Russian Christmas celebrations were a bit different anyway Mm. because um, orthodoxy has a different kind of take. The incarnation, the birth of Jesus, is very important in Russian ideas. And um, so they would have an enormous ceremony on Christmas Eve. So that would be on January the 6th, from our point of view. Mm -hmm. And then they would have further ceremonies at midnight and further to welcome in the Christmas Day, and then a Christmas Day service. Uh, and Russian services are not like your average service, you understand. Um, Russian services and festival times go on and on for up to six hours. Far out. Uh, are they similar so to what we observed Putin doing? You, you know, just with chanting yes, yes, and... Yes. I couldn't work out from looking at that, though, whether that was Christmas Day or Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. It was it was difficult to establish that. Yes. Um, of course, the, the other interesting thing is, I mean, where he was doing it and that he was doing it alone because he would appear to have been in the old royal czarist... Uh, cathedral that's solely reserved for the Tsar and the Tsar's relations. Mm. And since Putin's luck in in marriage hasn't been that great, um, (laughs) he was... I mean, there's always a woman or two hanging around, but but they're not quite the people to bring to a Russian Orthodox service. Mm. And and so there he is alone. So he is the Tsar. And you see, I mean, I think that does a little bit explain some of this being... being observed alone in the Tsarist palace. It's trying to establish that he is bearing the weight of government. Mm-hmm. He is bearing the weight before God. And remember that Kirill, his uh, right-hand um, uh, patriarch of Moscow, mm. is is very much the one who said you should have a Christmas Eve, you should have a Christmas ceasefire. Is, and, is there uh, anything more than just a total show? We just had a text coming come through saying, I mean, what a joke. Putin is just a I show pony. Actually, I don't think it was completely a joke, though I certainly agree that there, there, were, there was an element of that sort of publicity. That's not a real arrangement mm-hmm. of, a, of, a, um, of a normal ceasefire. Uh, for, remember that the Ukrainian and the uh, Russians share something different in a Christmas date, which is different from the rest of the world. Mm. Um, so, in a way, this is a statement that we are on common ground here mm-hmm. and we should be prepared to, to, to celebrate together. Now, I mean, two things. I suspect that Ukraine, in some ways, is a bit less religious than Russia. And certainly, um, uh, as we know, that uh, the Ukrainian Premier is a Jew, so he's not going to be selling, celebrating mm-hmm. the Orthodox Christmas. Yes, I, I, you know, I heard a story um, at a Christmas service. Somebody had this. I mean, it's a, it's a 
several versions of the story, but this version went that the Austro-Hungarians during the First World War um, were ordered to attack on Christmas Eve. Mm. But there was a shrine nearby, and so they began lighting their candles to put them at the shrine, and then the Russians join in, and they all end up singing uh, the, the first note, oh, Silent Night. Now, this story seems to me to be absolutely suspicious because mm-hmm. if there's two different dates for Christmas, then they wouldn't have understood it, what each other was doing. Yes. Um, but, but for the Ukrainians and the Russians, on the other hand, there is a bit of common ground, common territory. And it's, I don't know whether you saw the story, um, there's a story in the Herald, maybe it's today's story. Um, yes, that the, that the Ukrainians are back in Lavra Cathedral to celebrate their Orthodox service. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is the cathedral that they grabbed when the Ukrainians split away from the Russian Orthodox mm. and tried to establish themselves as independent. Then the, the cathedral is, uh, you know, using their own uh, metropolitan, the, the primate of their church, um, to kind of invoke the God who seems to take whichever side um, you want him to take. <laughs> yes, he, he will show up to bless. I didn't get the impression that that uh, Putin is holding up much hope for a big blessing this mm-hmm. year. Well, he did. Well, I mean, I, like, I think you sh- yeah. Sorry. I I was just thinking how you were talking about common ground between the Russians and Ukrainians mm-hmm. at this point, and. They recently said, no, we're not going to agree to a ceasefire just for this orthodox mm. Christmas. What is it? What is you know, when, when you take that into account, what do you think? Well, of course, I mean, I think the Ukrainians in some ways seemed a bit curmudgeonly. Mm. But I guess that they were saying, we can't afford to put all our troops at ease over Christmas because who knows what the Russians are going to do. And it would be a classic technique. I mean, Putin hasn't shown much respect for any traditions or any um, appeals for clemency in the past. So they they couldn't afford to risk it. Mm-hmm. But it did still seem a bit a bit harsh. And I'm, it's interesting reading these stories that they, they're making sure that their cathedrals are celebrating Christmas um, and are observing the Orthodox traditions. And, uh, and Putin is celebrating alone because probably a lot of Russians are not feeling very celebratory at the moment. Mm. Mm. So, interesting. All right, Peter. Hey, thank you very much for another interesting edition of That's the Spirit. We'll look forward to chatting with you next week. Look forward to it. See you then. Bye. Bye. See ya.